The title of today's sermon, obviously, edify, Glorify, Edify, and Reach. We live in an age of the seeker-sensitive movement. Some say everyone is on a spiritual journey seeking something, and church is the place where most come for spiritual guidance. However, the fact is this is far from the truth. The truth is that today, more than in any other age, people are leaving the churches in droves. The reason for this is clear. Aside from not being drawn by God, there's also a misunderstanding of what church is and why the church exists. What is the purpose of the church? Why does the church exist? What should be its function? Is it here to help meet the needs of people? Some say yes. Is it here to win the world for Christ? Some say that is the only reason. Is it here to rid the world of all its social wrongs? Well, according to the urban apologists, if you aren't doing this, there's a gospel issue in your heart. But you might be surprised with what the Bible says or what the Bible shows us. When we think about the church, many things come to mind. For me, the first and foremost is Christ. Him being the head, having paid the ransom with his own life to save everyone that he would draw to himself. Secondly, I think of you, my brothers and sisters in the faith, your love, your joy, your dedication to service, this, these are the things that I think about when I think of the church. The church is made up of all who claim the name of Jesus, who gather for worship and participation of the sacraments, the Lord's table and baptism. The members of the visible church claim the name Christian, and, and this is aside from cults like Mormons and Jehovah Witness. The visible church, us here, we're made up of believers, obviously, but there are also non-believers in the midst of the church. But don't get it twisted. The mark of the believer is evident. But it is God who separates the sheep from the goats eventually. It's not our job to, 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 to do this. It's our job to preach, to teach, to admonish, to rebuke, reprove, correct, and love. But it is God who separates the sheep from the goat, the wheat from the tares. For the truly regenerate that have trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, the true Christian is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, John 14, 23. Therefore, the Christian church is figuratively speaking the body of Christ. Romans 12, 5, so we are we who are many are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. Ephesians 4.12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, the building up of the body of Christ. We'll touch on that a little later. Acts chapter 2, it describes the creation of Jesus' church. Forty days after Jesus' resurrection, he ascended into heaven. We see this in Acts 1.9. 120 disciples obeyed his command to wait in Jerusalem and they weighed and they stayed in the upper room and they did what? 
They were praying. In Acts 2, they received the Holy Spirit and shared the gospel with the crowd of people, as we just read. The people that were there were uh, men from many nations. After the dispersion, the Israelites, they spread out and um, they took their culture and their customs to other nations and regions. But they would come back to Jerusalem every year as custom to celebrate Passover. This is the Old Testament Feast of Weeks or Pentecost, not Passover, Pentecost. And this was seven weeks after Passover. When the gospel is preached, we might find many people who are saved, some here and there. But when we look at Acts 2, we see something astonishing. Peter preaches, by the power of the Holy Spirit, 3,000 people come to know Christ. That's some powerful preaching. <laughs> but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is God who grows his church. The church isn't built by pragmatic methods or models. The church isn't built by deep pocket donors who only care about growth metrics. The church isn't built by people who think you're charismatic and charming and have the it factor. The church is built by God and God alone. And this is the picture that we see in Acts. In Acts 2, it's the picture of God equipping his church with the power of his spirit so that he may be glorified among the nations. That everywhere there's a church, we may point people to Jesus. The word church, I love it, right? especially for my Greek buffs, ecclesia. I love it because as a Spanish-speaking person is the word that we get iglesia from. There you go. And it means gathering or assembly. So the church is the gathering of believers who come together to participate in fellowship with one another as they worship God and hear the word, the Bible. The church as a whole has been equipped with people possessing different spiritual gifts. Andy preached on this before when we were going through Corinthians. You can go to YouTube and check out some of those sermons. Again, Ephesians 4, 12 through 13. What are those spiritual gifts for? Why do some of us or many of us or all of us possess different gifts? Is it for me? No. It's for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain unity in the faith and of knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. We are all being conformed to the image of Jesus and all of our gifts serve to edify one another as we do that. The Christian church, again, was founded by Jesus Christ. He is the head. But the word also states that the church is governed by elders, overseers, who oversee the church. They should be able to teach sound doctrine and refute error. 
What does this all mean? What is the purpose of the church? As our title says, it is, number one, to glorify God, to edify the believer, to inform the world of Jesus Christ as Redeemer. To glorify God. To glorify God as related in the Old Testament bears with it the idea of splendor, of greatness. The New Testament, the word translated glory means dignity, honor, praise, and worship. Putting two of them together, we find that glorifying God means to acknowledge his greatness and give him honor and praise for who he is. But how can we give God glory? How can we give him something that he already has? First Chronicles 16, one, First Chronicles 16, 28. Ascribe to the Lord, all families, all nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in splendor of his holiness. Ascribe, what is that word? I'll, I'll use a baseball reference since Pastor Andy uh, periodically throws some of those out. I need crowd participation. Who's the greatest baseball player of all time? Uh, okay. Greatest basketball player of all time? Oh, wow. Greatest boxer of all time? Woo! That's, I love it. Uh, wait a minute. Greatest soccer player of all time? Pele. Messi. Greatest hockey player of all time? Gretzky. Gordie Howe, Gretzky, okay. You see what you're doing there? You're ascribing something to a title to someone, greatest. This person is the greatest boxer, the greatest this, the great. That's what ascribing means. Where, when we ascribe unto the Lord, ascribe to the Lord, O families and nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. No one is greater than God. No one. Nothing, no one is greater than God. And he shares his glory with no one. What does this have to do with the purpose of the church? I'll tell you what it has to do. As a church planter, I went to uh, many conferences and and workshops. And I'll never forget, I met um, uh, a big, I'm not going to mention the person's name, but it was a big, big time, big Eva dude. And, um, world-renowned author and speaker and whatever have you, and everyone, you know, wow, ooh, wow. And I said, well, are you, are you also a church planter? I asked. And this person said, I, I don't plant churches. I create movements. <laughs> That's when you got to hit them with the meme where the glasses be like, What an arrogant thing to say. He said, wow. Lord, have mercy. In the mid-2000s, when I was a youth pastor, 
it was a big movement for youth and they would come out to the East Coast and rent arenas and we sold out packed arenas. And the youth, we went over there a couple of times. And the last time, um, was another famous, world-renowned TV preacher was preaching a little sermonette, you know, 15, 20 minutes, and uh, get the crowd hype and the young people, oh, when we were leaving, Pastor, oh, oh, my goodness. The sermon was amazing. The service was crazy. What was so poignant about the sermon? He was funny. Oh, man, he was so funny. How did the sermon lead you to Jesus? Why you got to be such a killjoy? He was good. Tell me what was good about the sermon. And this is the same person who some years later after being on TV and national and world tours, it came out that this person had cheated on his wife multiple times. And that's what happens when we're focused just on empty church growth movements. And not allowing or yielding to the Holy Spirit that he may build his church. When we read Acts, the word says that who added to their number daily? God. As a former church planter, I can tell you it's, it's, it's real tempting to adopt pragmatic methods. Oh, whatever works, brother. They give it coffee, we got to give coffee. It was a church in the Bronx when I was planting that they would even blast DMX outside. You heard, you heard me right, DMX. Ow, ow, where my dogs at? DMX. To attract the loss. The old bait and switch. What's the primary, the first point that the church exists? For the what? Of who? Not us. Not our brand. Not the PBC brand. For the glory of God and him alone. Because of who he is holy and perfect and true. His proclamations and statutes are holy and perfect and true. And we glorify him by listening to and agreeing with his word. God's word, the Bible, in his word, he tells us that he is all we need. Scripture is, is, is all we need to govern the life of the believer. Nothing else. Scripture. But the steadfast love of the Lord 
is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to the children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. Psalm 103, verse 17 and 18. And Jesus reiterates this in John 14, 15. If you love me, you will what? Keep my commandments. God has called us to live for the praise of his glory, Ephesians 1.12. We are here to glorify him, to know him. That is our chief end. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him for how long? For today? Forever. Forever. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. We are owned by him. That you may proclaim the what? The excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Verse 11 of Acts 2. What, what is it that it says? Let's go there again. Right? But the Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in their own tongue the mighty works of who? It wasn't the mighty works of Peter. It wasn't the mighty works of of a particular local church. Because there, there, there are a lot, of, a lot of things that you see online of people just, just a lot of branding and a lot of kind of our church. We're the best church. We're this. We're... Listen, there's only one church and it exists for the glory of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. What doesn't glorify God? Man-centered theology, think prosperity gospel, social justice, black liberation theology gospel, uber charismatic movement with the name and claim blab and grab, none of which, none of which glorifies God. In fact, many of these things have detracted people from even attending church because it puts an onus on you. You have the power, you have the authority to proclaim and name things and call and decree. And then when it doesn't work, the blame is on God. The blame is on God. The goal of God's plan is that he will be glorified among the nations. And we see this through the church. The Jews in Acts 2, they were from all nations. They heard the disciples speaking with the mighty deeds of God. Again, verse 11, Peter preached the gospel, leading to 3,000 souls being saved. The goal of the gospel is to the glory of God, it's to glorify God. As John Piper put it, the reason mission exists is because worship doesn't. And, and, and this fits our context. Don't, Pastor, don't get scared. I'm not... I'm not going to go and say contextualization. But it fits our context here in New York City. Because planting in New York City or church attendance in New York City is a difficult thing. But before you get tempted and say the church is getting, the city is getting rough or the greener pastures in other places, other states, I'd rather go to a red state. Think about what better place there is than New York City. Mm -hmm. 
to share the gospel with hundreds of nations surrounding us and hundred more coming in. Yes, the migrant issue is a gross incompetence of, uh, and it's a picture of bad leadership. We see that. Let's take advantage of that opportunity and present the gospel. Even if people have to go back home and, and do things the right way, but while they're here, while they come, give them the gospel. They don't need more clothes, more money. They don't need more pro. They need the gospel. So before you think about leaving PBC or New York City, ask, ask the Lord in prayer, Lord, how, how can I better serve you in this city? Point two, church exists for the edification of the saints. Who is church for anyway? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Looking at Acts 2.42, we can't help but see the beauty of this passage. Here's a picture of the body of Christ devoted to the teaching of the apostles and fellowship and breaking of bread. Again, as a former church planter who went to many of these renowned movements and things. One of the things that they would say is, well, the church's existence for the non-believer. Don't mention hell in your preaching. It puts off people. Don't mention sin. My sister's in the back shaking her head. She, she was there with me. She saw it. Don't mention sin. It's mistakes. So wait, the church is for the non-believer. So, 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 so wait, how can the non-believer, now, the non-believer is welcome in our midst, of course. We want them to come and hear the gospel being preached and, 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 and see the family of faith come together and worship God and, and, and that they may be uh, uh, convicted and pricked in their hearts to lead them to repent and want to be a part of this family. Absolutely. But how can the non-believer, not knowing scripture, not knowing God, not having a relationship with God, how can they worship God? How? This is just the country club. It's just a spot for people to pop in and feel good for an hour and 15 minutes. Grab some coffee, kick your feet up. We're going to sing some songs. There's no congregational singing. We'll do it all for you from up here. It's more of a concert style. And the sermons are 15-minute sermonettes full of just encouragement. No call to repentance, no calling out sin. But here in Acts 2.42, we see that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. The number one thing that they did was what? If you're following me, what was the first thing that they did? 
they what? Devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching. First and foremost, the number one way we edify one another is by hearing and studying God's word, by coming on Sundays or Wednesdays or during the summer and hearing God's word preached by the person or persons that, number one, by our elder, the elder of the church, Pastor Andy, and then any other qualified person that we put up here who preaches God's word, the full counsel of God. That is the first way we edify one another. It's by hearing God's word preach. Studying scripture will help you with everyday life and temptation of sin, Proverbs 4.10. Studying scripture so that you may not be deceived by false teachers, Acts 17.11, 1 John 4.1. We study scripture because it helps us serve God better. See? Church is for the believer. Non-believers are welcome in our midst. But the service of the church is rendered and dedicated unto the Lord by believers. We study scripture so that we can know God better. 2 Timothy 3.16 Study to teach others and be better prepared to answer questions. In other words, study and show yourself approved. Study to honor the Lord and express your great love for him and his word. How can we know how God requires us to worship him if we don't study the scripture to see how he requires us to worship him? This is about scripture. Not extra biblical stuff. God told me, God showed me, I had a vision, God took me, God brought me. I died and went to heaven, came back. Jonathan Edwards says, if you want to hear God speak, read scripture. If you want to hear God speak out loud, read scripture out loud. It's all about scripture. We also edify one another through fellowship and breaking of bread, whenever we come together, it's a feeling of joy and peace and satisfaction. It's as if all the anxiety is melted away. Man, I'm so looking forward to the small group, our small group on the Upper West Side for it to kick off. We were supposed to start this past Friday, but uh, many of the folks had, uh, they were either sick or couldn't come. Uh, I added you, Trenton, by the way, on the group chat. Uh, (laughs) But... We are all eager to come together. And what are we going to do in there? Get in the word. Pray. Break bread. Fellowship. We're going to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. Uh, Not me, I'm not, no. The word. When we have had a difficult week, we come together as the body, and for some reason, everything just seems okay, even when it's not. As much as we need the Lord, we also need one another. When was the last time the hand said to the feet, I don't need you? 
This is why church membership is important. It's important because it says we belong to a local assembly where there is accountability. Remember how I mentioned that the church is governed by elders? Well, God has gifted men through the power of his might and wisdom to nurture, protect, and care for the church. But this can't happen. And I know I I'm, 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 may step on some toes, but it's okay. That part can't happen if your favorite pastor, you only see him on YouTube. That can't happen if your favorite preacher, speaker, you only get from them when you go to conferences. And conferences are cool. I, I, I love some of them. But some of my favorite preachers and teachers are members of this church. Because I belong to this church. Before I can pray for any other elder or any other preacher, I have to pray for my pastor. I have to pray for my young brother, James, who brings the word. I have to pray for the saints in this congregation first and foremost. This is the local assembly where I am. My pastor sitting in the back. He's not on YouTube. He knows me. They don't. This is why church membership is important. Where is my treasure going? Where's my time, talents, and treasure spent? Outside ministries? Or is it mostly spent in PBC? And if you're from another church visiting us today, then obviously your church. They fed each other, encouraged one another, took care of each other's needs, protected one another. They also edified one another through prayer. They would pray for each, each person and they were encouraged by it. Alex Waddell was sharing earlier as we were in the, in the room in the back praying, said something that was very significant and true. If we want to be a church that starts to see growth and reaches the lost and disciples, it starts with that. It starts with prayer. And, and, and that's an area that we all can, can be better at. I myself included. Come earlier. Let's get together. Let's meet in the back. Let's pray. What were the 120 doing in the upper room? They were praying, waiting on the Holy Spirit. They were praying, not watching movies, not telling jokes. And there's a time for all of those things. They were praying. You know how else the church also edifies one another? First, a little more crowd participation. What are some of the most misquoted Bible verses you've heard? 
man should throw some out there. Thou shalt not judge. That's on here. What? Thou shalt not judge. What else? What's another one? No, that's not even in the Bible. <laughs> God only helps those who help themselves. That's not in the Bible either. Uh, what's another one? I can do all things. All things. All things. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Jeremiah 29, 11. I didn't know you was Israel. (laughs) Ask for anything in my name. Anything, Lord. All things work together for the good of those. Here's one. Where two or three are gathered. I am in the midst. You know how else the church edifies one another? Church discipline. This is a tough one. But we're talking about the purpose of the church, the function of the church. How does the church reflect and mirror Christ? So an article, um, an excerpt from Table Talk magazine, talking about church discipline, Number one, church discipline exists to reclaim the sinner to the church and ultimately to the Lord. Church discipline that is practiced in love is a powerful way to confront a sinner in his or her sin and show that the church loves them, will not give up on them, and desire to see them restored to the full fellowship. In a very real sense, discipline can be gospel acted out before our very own eyes. We must acknowledge our sin, repent, and ask for forgiveness, which is freely and fully granted. Number two, church discipline is necessary to maintain the purity of the church and its witness before the watching world. Isn't that what happens a few chapters later on with Ananias? Okay, I'm going to leave it right there. Um, That doesn't mean that we put on a hypocritical face and act as if everything is okay. We know that we have sin. We're not sinless, but because of God's grace and the gospel, through his strength, we sin less. I'll say that again. We're not sinless, but because of God's grace and the gospel and the word renewing our hearts and minds, Through those means, we sin less. So it doesn't mean that we put on a hypocritical mask of perfectionism, but rather we admit that before the world that God's word is the standard for our lives and we are true Christians, not perfect, but we are forgiven by his perfect work. And finally, church discipline is important. Because when church discipline is done, it glorifies God. So again, the church exists for the glory of God. For the edification of the saints, but for the glory of God. Christians are living to display God's glory. And we display his glory in all the more as we strive to reflect his loving and holy character. What better way to show what a holy God is than through church discipline, as we seek to restore those who stumble in the spirit of loving humility, we put on display and 
of honorable conduct that will point to the one who is the source of all restoration, and that is through Jesus Christ. Is it comfortable? No. No. Does it feel good? Absolutely not. One of the hardest things I had to do when the infancy stages of when I planted a long time ago um, was to tell a young man who refused to repent of homosexuality. One of the most difficult things was telling him he had to leave. And he cried. And it wasn't a fly-by-night thing. It was a good year of contending with him. But it got progressively worse as he would, there was no conviction, no repentance, nothing. I've been in rooms with pastors who had to, have, who had to make the difficult decision of excommunicating someone and seeing them broken in tears over it and praying together. It doesn't feel good. It's uncomfortable. But it's God-glorifying. It's God-glorifying. Lastly, the church exists for the purpose of reaching the lost. Turn with me to Matthew 28, verse 18. Matthew 28, 18, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. The command from Jesus The church exists for reaching of the lost, making disciples as they come. Evangelism without discipleship is just the street fair. It's just a block party. We can go out and evangelize, but if we're not willing to disciple those folks as they come in, we're just wasting our time. And this isn't something that we should do casually, just whatever. This should be in our DNA. And I'm not talking about the DNA of PBC. I'm talking about the DNA of the universal church. All of us as believers, we should understand the urgency of sharing the gospel with those who are rebels against God. And the way God saw it fit to happen was, the gospel. 
in the context of church, the preaching duties on the shoulders of qualified men, but in everyday life outside of the church, it is the responsibility of every single believer to share their faith. It happens at work. It happens at school. It happens, heck, you know, in my, my job, I, I'm in a position of, of leadership, management, authority. I'm not supposed to preach the gospel, but I can't stop my workers from coming to me and asking me church questions. I'm going to answer them. <laughs> and I thank the Lord for those opportunities. In every single space, ask God for opportunities to share your faith. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, but also the Greek. Romans 10, 14, 15. How then will they call upon him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. What does Jesus tell his disciples? Go, therefore. And make disciples of all. That, that's, a, that's a command for everyone. For those, again, who, who have familiarity with sports or have played sports, when the coach tells you to do something, he's not asking you. Go, therefore. Hey, if you feel like it this Sunday, Go. If you, if, you, if you can, if you have time in your busy schedule, carve it out, go. It says, no, 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 go. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Preach the word, whether convenient or not. Don't alter it. Don't water it down. Ask God for boldness and share your faith. Give the, the gospel to a dead and dying world around you. The only hope for sinners is Jesus. The early church was committed to reaching the lost, making disciples. They were committed to preaching the word of God. And through it, the Lord added to their number daily, 3,000, 4,000. We have to be a balanced church. There's a danger of an unbalanced church. We were talking about that briefly in prayer afterwards. A church that puts a heavy emphasis on worship with no teaching and no evangelism will just have a whole bunch of converts that are led by emotionalism. A church that puts a heavy emphasis on preaching and teaching without worship or evangelism will just have a lot of puffed up people a church that puts all the emphasis on evangelism, but no preaching and teaching and no worship will have a bunch of false converts that never come to the fullness of faith in Christ. We have to have a balanced nutrition of what church is. To the non-believer who is either here or watching us live, 
If today you have not come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I urge you to do so. Understand that your sin is an offense to God. Because of this, God's wrath is imminent. The Bible says that God is angry with the sinner every day. If you die in your sin, a place of eternal torment and God's holy wrath will be poured upon you. And this place is called hell. That's the bad news. But today salvation can be yours. You can escape the horrible sentence because of this holy, righteous God we serve has made a way of escape. The way is Jesus Christ who died in your place and in mine, took our sin upon him and God poured the wrath reserved for us on him instead. And through his death, burial and resurrection, we can have eternal life. Seek him today because tomorrow is not promised. But what's promised is eternal life if we trust him. To my brothers and sisters, Our existence is to glorify God. Everything we do should be tied to this. We must be driven by having a desire to bring him glory. If we don't have this mindset, then everything is for self-glorification, and that's in vain. We enjoy coming together. We fellowship, we eat, we encourage each other, we pray. We should pray more. This is an area, like I said, uh, It's a work in progress even for me. But prayer is extremely important. Let's begin to prioritize it, especially on Sundays of coming earlier. I was encouraged as I received a text message from Alex Waddell about going out to evangelize. He texted me, he said, we're going to go out. And sorry, it's a little late notice. Um, But I had a, a long work week and hadn't done much prepping or anything. I said, I'm not going to be able to make it out. But I was so encouraged by it. But it starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. Our Lord has commissioned us to spread the gospel message to all people. To make disciples. Baptize them. We must never forget our commission. We must never forget the tremendous responsibility we have with sharing the gospel with a dying world. Let us not worry about the size of our church right now. The Lord will add to our numbers when he sees fit and how he sees fit. He will do that. And our prayer should be, Lord, fill this place. The balcony, all of the pews back here, fill it, God. Let us not be so preoccupied with that. Let us be preoccupied with devoting ourselves to the teaching, the preaching that our pastor brings as we glorify God, we fellowship and break bread, and we reach the loss. Does the church exist to take care of the needs of people? After we do the primary things, then we are able to do those other things like soup kitchens and whatever else have you. But the primary focus of the church, primary thing, we exist for the glory of God. 
to edify one another and to reach the lost. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for reminding us this morning what our purpose is, what is the function of the church. Lord, as we see through Acts and many of us who know the story, we see how you grew the church exponentially. It wasn't pragmatic methods that someone came up with. You were the one. You were the orchestrator of all of this. So God, we pray for our church. We pray that you may draw people to yourself from all five boroughs, Connecticut, Westchester, Jersey. My God, that people may find this place to be a place where the truth is preached, where saints are edified, and when there's a, a clear desire to reach the lost. Father, we pray for our pastor. Continue to give him wisdom and boldness, strength, courage, that your provision may be with him, his lovely wife, Emma, and the baby. Father, I pray that you may quicken the hearts of the men in this church, that we may come alongside him to encourage and help him. I thank you for my sisters who work diligently in other areas. But God, I pray that if there's anyone here today who doesn't know you, that they may understand that their sin is an offense to you, but that you lovingly made a way of escape. And that way is your son, Jesus. Father, help us be a church that glorifies you in all that we do as we edify each other. Lord, and put a desire in us, a burning desire, at any opportunity we have, we may share our faith with those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.